What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. First things first, follow me on Twitter, at It's Intuition. Nobody is listening to that part because my Twitter followers have been the same forever, and that's okay. I don't care. Follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I am database, base with two S's. Follow us as a unit at kinda neat, youtube.com slash kinda neat, where you're going to see our guest today, Milo, who is performing as Scallops Hotel, perform a song uh, that I don't know the name of because Milo's songs are always crazily named, but it was good. It was tight. I like Milo. We had a great conversation today. Kindaneat.net, everything is wrapped up in a pretty package. And don't forget to download the podcast app, search for Kinda Neat, and please subscribe. Please leave us a comment and a five-star rating. We got a few new ones, so thank you guys for doing that. I appreciate it. This is officially our fifth episode in a row. That's so crazy. We're on a real hot streak. I probably just jinxed it, but that's okay. Next week, I'm probably not going to put out an episode next week because I'm going to be in Alaska, but we will have one soon when I get back. Hopefully, it'll be a great one. I'm sure it will because we never do anything whack. Fuck, man. Right before I left my house, I'm recording this on Thursday, August the 5th or 6th. I don't know. Whatever day Thursday is. Dr. Dre's new album, Compton, is streaming on iTunes right now. Can't buy it yet, but I listened to the stream. I didn't have that much time to listen because it it started streaming about 20 minutes before I needed to get in my car and head over here. But we have a fucking friend, a friend of the show, a friend in life, a person that I just like is so talented that I've been screaming his name uh, from the ceiling since 2011. Our friend Anderson Pack is on the record six times. He's on six different songs, recording songs with legends like Ice Cube, Eminem, Kendrick. And he had one song in particular. I was skipping around just to kind of hear his parts. And the one that really jumped out to me is his performance on Animals is amazing. So at this point, when this podcast comes out, the record will have been available and I'm sure everybody will hear it and everyone's either going to say that it's a classic or that it's whack or whatever, but everybody's going to have their opinion and and the way the internet works, maybe by fucking Wednesday, it's not even going to be getting talked about anymore. Who knows? But I'm really proud of the guy and uh, just really happy to have watched his rise. Here's the thing. I think that when I was at Knox City in 2011, we may or may not, I'm pretty sure that we were his first video on YouTube and I just kind of want to tell the story that uh, the history that I have with him because I, I, you know, it's just been so awesome to watch. And I feel like this is a real early crescendo moment. Like this is kind of his hello world moment. And I still to this day think like he's going to be huge. Like, you know, he's going to be like a Grammy nominee type of dude. And I saw that from the first time I ever met him was back in 2009. It was around the time that me and Verbs or Verbs and I were recording the Buzz EP. And that was like a really fucking fun rap summer. Like I was almost done with Girls Like Me and just in the middle of working on Girls Like Me, Verbs and I kind of started hanging out more or just kind of realizing like, oh, you live right down the street from me. And so 
I was giving him rides back to his crib and he would be playing me beats and I'd go, Oh, let me, I want to rap on that. And then being around him really advanced my rapping styles and abilities. Like he was just a very inspiring dude to be around and recording that EP with him was like a big stylistic leap for me. And I just learned a lot about the craft by working with someone else that was so good at their craft. But at that time he was already doing, I think he had just started bananas it was after the spliff, I think, but uh, and it was probably after we put out the EP. But uh, in, in 2009, we put out the EP, and then afterwards, he started Bananas. And he kept talking about this dude, Breezy Lovejoy. Oh, man, you got to hear Breezy Lovejoy. Like, we should do, we should have him do beats for the next uh, Buzz EP and this, that, and the other. And then he had him play at Bananas, and here's this dude, real handsome, smiley, like looks like a Cuba Gooding Jr. kind of like he looks like a star you feel me like and he's playing drums and singing and he has this song you don't have to wear drawers around me I don't really remember how it goes but it's kind of like you don't have to wear no drawers and I thought that was a very ballsy thing to say like that's dope I think that's a tight song and it's it had a sexy vibe and he's playing drums and singing at the same time and i was like this is fucking amazing and i went up to him afterwards and i was like damn yo verbs has been telling me about you that set was so tight and you know we should work and he was very nice and just like yeah we should work like yeah i heard the buzz ep like yeah let's work dude verbs is my dude blah 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 blah, blah. cool let's do that and we kept in loose touch and then um in 2011 November, well, November 31st, 2010, I lost my job. I got laid off right before Christmas. And that was the moment that everything kind of changed because I haven't had a job since then. And I already had a meeting with the Knocksteady team the night that I got laid off. It was a Friday. And I already had plans to go meet them because we were going to talk about doing some like video work together. They were, they wanted me to like come be a video personality in my, in the time that I had. And so I had a bunch of ideas and I was going to go have a meeting with them. And so, after I got laid off, I went, well, I better make this meeting count. So I bought a pizza and some beers and went to their office downtown and said, hey, guys, this fucking meeting has taken a drastic change because I really need to work with you guys because I just lost my job and I want to be a part of this. And so uh, it turns out that we started working together and then it started off small, me doing little things, blog posts, taking pictures, writing, et cetera, et cetera. And then it quickly became apparent that like I needed to do a lot more that I could do a lot more. And so, you know, they had this one thing, they had this knock steady live Fridays that they did and then they only did one or two and then it never happened again. And I went, yo, why aren't we doing that? We should do that all the time. Knock steady live Fridays. And so if you go back in the internet and do the research, the first knock city live Fridays I did was I had Mike Eagle come on and we just kind of winged it and we just did a show. And I said, I'll just make it like a show and we'll record the audio, have the person perform four songs and then put it out as a podcast. And then we'll make like a summary video or something. Right. And that quickly evolved from that into other stuff. But the first guest was Mike Eagle. Mike Eagle's killing it right now. Mike Eagle was just on Hannibal Burris show. Mike Eagle put out a great rap record in, in 2014 and continues to kill it frequently. He has a hugely successful podcast, you know, he's crushing it. We were early on that. My second guest ever on Knox City Live was Raquel Rodriguez. She's killing it right now. You guys know Raquel. She's been on this show too. And I've done tons of work with her on my records and on her records. And then the third guest that I ever had, because they went, they went, oh, I don't, uh, you know, this guy that, that was kind of like the, 
owner of it went, I don't want it to just be a rap show always. So like, let's do other stuff. So that's why we brought Rock Hill. And he goes, he goes, yeah, that was great. Let's, let's have like, a, let's do like an R and B dude type of person. I said, man, I have this fucking guy that can like rap and sing. We should have this dude breezy Lovejoy on. This is my third, the third episode of Knox City Live ever. And we couldn't find anything about him online. Like it was so difficult to find any recorded music and we had a hell of a time. And I was just trying to convince them like, look, trust me, I've seen this dude live a couple of times. He's so dope. He can fucking sing his ass off. He can rap. Trust me. This will be tight. And then we schedule it and they don't show up. They're like, one hour late and then nobody's answering the phone and they're two hours late and nobody's answering the phone they're three hours late nobody's answering the phone to the point where i got so fucking bummed and mad that i had vouched and that they weren't showing up and it made me look like i was failing by the fourth hour that i was like man fuck this shit this bullshit uh, fuck it even if they call fuck this i'm not gonna we're not going to have them on. Like, I'm going to cancel this. We'll do another one. And then around the fourth hour, they call. Yo, sorry. I can't remember what the excuse was. Probably like my phone was dead or something. But also it turns out they were coming from Oxnard and just living hella far away and caught in traffic, this, that, and the other. So, But finally they show up four hours late. And part of me went like, yo, I don't want to do this episode. Like, I'm so fucking pissed that they're so late and like – the homies were just like, nah, nah, just do it. It'll be fine. And so we did, we turned on the the camera and we went live and did an episode and it was amazing. Like it was awesome watching him perform just the four songs and doing the podcast and the interview. It was so astounding how fucking talented he was and how multifaceted he was. And he didn't even bring in the drums, like let alone like the, the drums were like just icing on the cake that he could do all that and play drums at the same time. And we ended up putting out a video for Rosalia and it's still online. You can, you can search, um, breezy love joy, knock steady or breezy love joy, Rosalia. And you'll see it was in March of 2011, I think. And, that was his introduction to the world of YouTube. And it was to the point where he was so fucking talented that like my friends that don't know shit about music who were just kind of like on some, Oh yeah. Oh, you're doing some, some weird multimedia shit. Sure. I'll check it out. They were like, dude, what the fuck? Breezy Lovejoy is so tight. I fucking downloaded his podcast and I just listened to it on repeat. Like I just fast forward to the song parts. Like that shit is so tight. Like to this day, they still have like, sometimes the Breezy Lovejoy episode will come up on their iTunes, uh, on random. And it was just like very apparent that he had something that like other people that we had brought in occasionally didn't have. Like he has a certain star quality that is very noticeable, right? When you meet him and then when you hear him sing, it's like, holy shit. And so anyways, time goes on towards the end of Knox City when it was starting to fall apart for me. It was one of these things where it was like, uh, they were like, oh, we should like manage an artist. Who should we manage? It's like, clearly we should try to like bring in Breezy and manage him, you know? And my whole thing was like, you know, we should get him to change his name, which was like pretty, (laughs) which was, uh, that was like one of the first things I probably brought it up to him too soon, but I was like, yo, we should probably, we should change your name and make it more marketable. And I don't know if I ever had anything to do with that decision in the long run because Anderson Pack was thought of long after, uh, I was not in in the Knox City picture anymore, but we were like, yeah, let's try to like blow this artist up. And I quickly stepped out of that situation of management because I realized that I was still like had too much um, 
art in me, I guess. Like I didn't think it would be fair to try and manage somebody when I was still trying to like put out records myself. And in hindsight, I often like kind of joke like, oh, my biggest regret is that like I could have been his manager and I said no. But to be honest, like everything that's been happening for him, like all these amazing opportunities, they wouldn't have happened had I been managing. I, I would have been a shitty manager and I would have blown it. And then and then he would have either missed out on opportunities or he would have found a better manager anyway. So I'm glad that everything has worked out how it has because it's been amazing to watch and I'm so happy for him. And just even during that time of him coming into the Knox City office every night and watching him write and watching him and Zoe start to make records together, they, they, his writing was developing so quickly then like and then over the years like man i remember hearing rilla the first time and being like holy fuck like rilla the the toki monster song that he that he did was like so fucking amazing and i'm like damn your writing has really taken off and then hearing drugs and being like fuck you're like viably you make viable hit records you know then he came on the show and did um and did suede and we were blown away to this day. I have suede hidden on the channel. Like you can't watch it, uh, unfortunately, but cause we had to take it down cause of stone's throw, but just he, watching him perform suede. And for that would, I swear to you, that would be our biggest video on the channel. If it was still live, like it was, there was something, some magic happened that day where like the way I filmed it better than I've ever filmed any of these. And like, just the look and the sound of it together and like his outfit that he was wearing everything. I was like, God fucking damn, this fool is like really on and is about to be famous as fuck. And the crazy shit is, is like last year in April, he opened for my record release party and they did me that favor and they came and played and blew the fucking spot up so much that like the lyric theater was like, yo, you're so dope. You should have a fucking residency here. And then every Tuesday in July of last year, there was five Tuesdays in July. He was playing a sold out show every Tuesday, five weeks in a row. And you know, he was curating it cool. Like there was dope acts, but people were clearly there to see him. And, uh, I just am so fucking stoked to see him being used so much on Dr. Dre's album and know, and I just know that like, he's going to be a star, man. And I've been saying it for so long and I'm just so fucking happy and excited to see him winning. And, you know, thank you for everything that he's done for this channel. And I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to tell that story because I thought, I just think it's tight and I'm stoked and people are going like, Oh, you know, breezy this and breezy that. And I remember this and I remember that. And I go, Hey man, all that shit is like, I just think back to like verbs telling me he was tight in 2009 and like verbs being so right and us just being in the right place at the right time to like show him to people. And it's so tight. He sounds great on the record. I told my mom a similar version of that story and she goes, well, too bad you didn't manage him. And I'm like, that's, that was your takeaway. I'm like, that was your takeaway. I'm like, I'm so happy. And she was like, you should have been managing him. You could have had a real job. And I'm like, Oh, what a mom thing to say. Anyway, I hope it didn't sound too like, oh, I'm giving him a handy, or I hope that it didn't sound like self-aggrandizing. I just heard him on a record with a, uh, like, that's the thing. I grew up listening, Dr. Dre, the chronic dropped when I was 11 and I was like about a year too young to really, to really love it. But I mean, I remember going to my first like junior high party at this girl cinnamon's house and we all went down to the basement and it was like, there was like red filtered lights in the basement. And there's all these girls there that, that like, you know, Jessica and Joy and and all these people that I wanted to like I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew that like oh these girls are they're something you know and Cinnamon was this older girl I can't believe her name was Cinnamon that was her real name uh but 
we were listening to the fucking chronic, you know what I mean? And like that, I was like, damn, this is like edgy rap. You know what I'm saying? And like, even before that in fourth grade, I had a friend named Richard who had the NWA records and, and we would go sneak over to his house and steal his mom's tapes to listen to him. And the next year or two years later, when Snoop's album came out, it was all because Dr. Dre blew him the fuck up. And that was like one of the most seminal records in my life. The doggy style is like one of the biggest records that affected me the most in my life. So if you, if somebody would have told the 11 year old me like, yo, one of your homies is going to like be prominently featured on Dr. Dre's third album when you're 34, I'd have been like, you're crazy. And now that I'm hearing it, it's just such a trip, dude. It's like, so life is so fucking cyclical and everything comes 360 and man, I'm so happy with all the fucking content that I've created over the years with him. Cause it's been a lot. Like I've made uh, three, four videos and to see what has happened. I'm so fucking, I'm just stoked, man. And so that is what that rant was about. Anyway, without further ado, we're going to talk now to another fan favorite on the show milo who was the fifth guest we ever had and um this conversation was cool because i always get scared when people come in for a second conversation i don't know what to talk to them about and this is a surefire sign of that because we don't really talk about anything in particular we just get to having a fucking homie conversation and it was cool we talk about a lot of shit and he since he was a a sprightly wide-eyed 21 year old about to move to LA the last time I talked to him now he's a grizzled vet uh, who has since left LA and is living in Milwaukee and um, things are looking up and so I'm stoked for him I had a good time talking to him and I'm gonna go see him uh, on Saturday at the Low End Theory Festival which by the time this came out will have already happened but hopefully I saw you guys there too without further ado here is my conversation with Milo Life's good. <laughs> Life's good. So the last time that we had this encounter, mm-hmm. you are my third guest to have a second episode. Sick. Thank you. First was No Can. Second mm-hmm. was our friend Penny. And the third is you. So wow. you, you are our fifth episode ever. And at that time, you were a fresh-faced youth uh, with big city dreams on his mind. You yeah. were just thinking about moving out to L.A. And then you ended up moving out to L.A. I already had your life story from then. Uh, up to up to then. So what, what what's been happening since? Um, well, since when? Since I moved to L.A. or since I yeah. Moved, well, uh, yeah. You moved to L.A. and mm-hmm. I was seeing you around a bit. And then what? Right. Yeah. Where'd you uh, move to? I moved to Boyle Heights. Yeah, it's a hard neighborhood. To yeah, move to. that was rough. Yeah. What the, happened? The rough there? times. Um, what's I mean, Boyle Heights like? Boyle Heights is, I mean, having never left the country, it's the closest I've probably come. To you a know. third, to like a different country? To a different country, yeah. straight up. I, I don't mean, even know where it's at geographically. Like, what's it next to, Highland um, Park? No, it's Farther? it's uh, it's really close to downtown. Oh, okay. Like, right east of downtown. Oh, okay, okay. Like, oh, so is it kind of almost like uh, industrial? In, um, in it's just beyond that, mm. and it's not, I don't, no, it isn't industrial at all. It's, it's just... I don't want to use bad words, but I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's not that eye pleasing, eye yeah. catching. Right, it's run down. Yeah, and like there'd be weird stuff that would happen. Like some nights you would just see guys like on the block with, you know, 
particularly on warm nights, probably because the right. block, when the block is hot, the whole thing about the term "the block is hot" that's not just uh, some kind of euphemism. Not figurative. Or, yeah, it's not figurative at right. all. It's not. It's not symbolic. It's like literally when it's hot outside, people stay out later. Like Chance said, everybody dies in the summer. There you go. Because yeah. it's warm out and everybody's outside. Everybody's irritable. Yeah, exactly. Do the right thing. When it's ninety degrees at two in the morning, mm-hmm. you don't want to be in your house that doesn't have air conditioning. Yeah, so we would see that kind yeah. of stuff happening a lot, and that was new for us. And yeah. then we would see other weirder stuff like because you moved out with a bunch of people from wisconsin right yeah and so you guys are all just kind of like burb kids that come um yeah to, pretty much yeah that, and then you move to like not an easy neighborhood in los angeles i mean i lived in not easy neighborhoods right. in chicago right in uh, milwaukee mm-hmm. but yeah not easy neighborhood in la was way different there's language barrier which right. was new for me it's mainly hispanic area right, right. and then and then my like racial ambiguity kind of played a weird role in living in, in Boyle Heights. Right. Yeah. Like, I would we imagine. Would, we would be gro- – this happened. We were in the parking lot of a grocery store and a guy came up to me and I was like, I'll kill you if I ever see you here again. At the store? Just a random guy. Really? Yeah. Why? Why do you I don't – because I looked wrong or something. Huh. I don't know. Or like we would leave our home and see like people would put like – couple of dead skin cats in front of our house that Stuff happened like, yeah, yes dude whoa it was like it was just like man we shouldn't live here you know it was like yeah. this is bad i mean like part of the big brother in me wishes that you guys would have like called and been <laughs> like hey what do you think of boil heights i'd have been like move farther west that's what everybody said yeah. but we didn't i didn't well because los angeles is very confusing when you first get here yeah. and particularly if you go to a neighborhood on a nice sunny day and you look at the house or you see it online it, it could be like oh fuck this place looks great right. but you're not seeing it at what it looks like at night because a lot of the neighborhoods regardless here look similar and if it's a mm-hmm. s- nice sunny 72 degree day and you see the house you're like this neighbor looks great and then when it's like a fucking rainy, dreary right. fucking, you and know. you get it. Yeah, and you see it, and, and then you, or you move in, and, and the cockroaches don't come out until two days later. You go, fuck, where did we just move? Dude. Yeah. Yeah, Boyle Heights. Shout out Boyle Heights. Yeah. Bernal and Eagle living under the bridge. I mean, when you first moved here, what's it like? Were you stoked? Were you I happy? was so excited. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, you know, I, I guess I was going to give it like three months before I, I'd assumed we would have conquered rap. Or whatever you know what I mean. You thought it was just gonna take three months, that's it? Yeah, I know, but I'm not even like social. How old were you? You were like 21 at the time. Uh, no, I was 22. 22. When oh, I moved out here. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, I'm 23 now. You're only 23. Yeah, bro. When do you turn 24? Uh, February 3rd. Oh, are you Pisces? Is that what that I'm is? Aquarius. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, my mom is the 26th of February, so okay. I just assume that like I just assume that all February is Pisces. No, I'm early. Okay, oh, I got the Aquarius. Cut okay, off. so. That's crazy. It seems like a lot has la- uh, happened in your in so your much. last year and a half, I guess. Yes. Okay. The skin cats was some of the most alarming. I mean, then we had the fellow who lived below us. His name was Ezra. Mm-hmm. And the first day we met him, he, he introduced uh, himself to us with uh, his sawed-off shotgun in his hand. Oh, fuck. And we were just like, dang, dude, Boyle Heights yeah. is rough. It is interesting though your like your racial ambiguity. I yeah. would I would you would think in a neighborhood like that or like you would think just kind of anywhere that it would be helpful <laughs> because here's right. the thing is that you could pass as Hispanic, right. you could as pass anything. as Latino, you could pass as half black, you could pass right. you could, like in a hipster neighborhood you would be like just the cool exotic looking <laughs> dude, you know what I mean? Like it works anywhere. Right. But then I open my mouth. Yeah. And then like like in Boyle Heights what would happen is people would come up to me yeah. speaking Speak Spanish, Spanish and then you And I would have the look of just like uh, uh, uh-huh. And then they're like, oh. And then they'd be like, too yeah. late. Yeah. Right. 
Oh man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you get out here and initiate and just like from the jump, it's like we're in a weird place. Yeah, it was very strange. What was the plan? Where, what did you start doing? Well, the plan was, uh, I guess, for the guys that I moved out with. One of them was still going to go to school. The other two were going to find jobs. I was making a pretty good living off of rapping. And then, you know, just as the nature of things is, plans didn't work out and money became scarce. Yeah, one dude had to move home, right? Right. One guy had to move home immediately. And what happened? Um, Well, he just really hated Boyle Heights. Right. And uh, Brandon, that's my boy who had to move home. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a black man. So being a black man in Boyle Heights, especially, he got like really antagonized by uh, the the people. Yeah, blacks and browns in L.A. have a history. And see, that's totally not the case where I'm from. Right. It's like we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. But I, here, yeah, in Boyle Heights, it was like, no, nah, we don't like him. Right. So he, he really had to move back uh, soon after. And then... Um, I don't know. Then, then this other internet crew of of rap people, uh, uh, Thrax House. Yeah, they moved in, and then then shit got like spectacular in the way that I assume only it can become in L.A. What, like how so? Like just like you know, the turn up was too real. Or yeah, what? exactly. Yeah. So like I didn't shout out Thrax House. I, I like a lot of the music that mm-hmm. they're making, but it's definitely like a different. Uh, it's a different. Oh no! Uh, I mean, those are all my folks, but yeah. we just have totally different like approaches to life, right? <laughs> right. You know, and and we respect each other's, but definitely having them overlap for a while was like whoa, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of debauchery was going down when that happens? I mean. Was it just like like somebody moved in and then and then like the couch gets filled up with randoms and shit like that? No, Is that it was like somebody moved in and then they're like cold water distilling oxy in the kitchen. Oh, like that. Okay, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just like, dang, this is how you live. Right, right. And really being like, you rap what you live about and you live it. And right. being able to be a rapper so close in proximity to someone else doing that. I don't know. It was interesting. You didn't have any plans of getting a job when you were out here. You're just going to do the music stuff, yeah? But I've been blessed, man. Like, yeah. music, really, I haven't had to work yeah. since I started rapping. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is very rare. Yeah. You're very based. Very based. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, I don't know. Tell me about L.A. life, then. Okay. Well, I mean... What did you start doing? I rented a. I rented this, this lady's garage in Echo Park. And we started recording in there, and uh, it was down the street from Exile, so I got to meet him at like a gas station, and then more and more people just started coming through my garage to record. Mike, Reagan, uh, Sam Herring from Future Islands, all oh, those yeah. people. And I mean, I guess I spent my time here really just working on music, and then touring, and then the record came out and I didn't get paid, so with no money I could not continue to live here. And I don't have family out here or anything, so I had to move back. Right. Well, that was a... a very succinct version of this that was very i'm sorry I no that was, that was brief okay yeah. so here uh, that's how right. i get down so you start making the music and then what uh did you make the album out here no i made the album in chicago okay and then um and that that was uh t- a toothpaste suburb a toothpaste suburb yeah good memory on this hey one. man I, I didn't even research that hey um, so <laughs> I, I really like the record cover of that too it was cool who did the uh, chris carfolite yeah it's dope so you made the record in Chicago and then moved to L.A. It was already done? It was much? already done. Okay. Yeah. And so then what music were you working on, on out here? I've been working on a, an album with Kenny Siegel. And that started really exactly this time last year with the first Low End Theory Festival, okay. which was when Kenny and I kind of met. Yeah. And then we started working on this record. And uh, uh, yeah, that's what I worked on when I was out here. And I also worked on a Red Wall, which is a Safari Al and I. Okay. And I started working on a Scallops Hotel record. Yeah, it seems like you've been pushing the Scallops Hotel record. Or like, yeah. like you've been kind of doing the Scallops Hotel thing more yeah. than the Milo thing as of late. Um, 
after, I mean, after toothpaste more publicly, you, right? I've I've really definitely tried to orient the focus on to Scalps Hotel, but I've been doing just as much Milo music that will come out. Oh this no, year. for certain. Like the marketing, yeah. the marketing uh, cycle is for the Scalps Absolutely. Hotel right now. I right? guess so. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So yeah, you put out a toothpaste suburb, and everything's all good, and right. you're on a label, and and then what? I mean, like there's got to be more drama than I didn't yeah. get paid. I mean, there is. Yeah, there is more drama, and it's still ongoing which is even the worst part yeah uh yeah i just didn't get paid man and and you know for whatever reason i don't know did you have control over like your band camp at least or no it was and i still don't oh and for the record i'm still not getting paid so you should steal that record don't buy it that's rough so how (laughs) how does that affect the personal relationships because well, that yeah. is a familial thing. And like, like I said, the first time that we did this and it was, exactly. that was essentially our first time meeting, you were very excited about if like you guys had it, like you, Mike, James and yeah. Reagan really seemed to be like a unit and uh, that was doing really well in 2013 was like kind of the year of the stepping into the spotlight type thing. I mean, I got love for everybody in Hellfire Club. Right. You know what I mean? And like money will never be something that is that important to me at the end of the day. Mm. Ultimately, though, I just couldn't live here anymore after something like that happened. In terms of the interpersonal relationships with Hellfire Club, obviously, I'm not really talking to James much. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah. That's rough. I know. I'm sorry. Nah. It's difficult. I see you're trying to like traverse it. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I know. I see it. Because I, I, well, I mean, you know, I love James and right. that's a longtime friend of mine and. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, my instinct as a pseudo journalist is to right. be like, tell me all about it. And then my instinct as a man and a friend is to be like, avoid this and run away. You right. know what I'm saying? So it's a tough thing well, to no, talk I about. I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel very similarly because I yeah. still love the idea of Hellfire Club. Yeah. I still love the potentials of that group. Right. And I still love the music that we made together. Yeah. So I feel similarly. So did you have to exit the crew then? Is that what it is? Like, is it not a thing anymore? Or like, I don't know. It's like, man, you'd think, you'd think people would want to cut the ambiguity out when something like this occurs. But it's so hard. But people want to just feast on it. Yeah. Like, people would rather not talk. Right. Or, you know, not clear hey, it up. Hey, bro, I... I, I ugh. Chet I went weird. through this rap dog. cruise. I mean, everybody does. I mean, the like what happened with us in in 2011 with Knocksteady was like I had to be quiet and ambiguous about it for a fucking year, pretty yeah. much before like people were going like, "Hey, why aren't you, intuition? Why aren't you uploading videos?" And I would just have to ignore it until it finally became like, "Hey, guys, there really isn't a Knocksteady anymore, and right. like you guys are hanging on to something that was two and a half years ago." That's what we're doing. Yeah, and so like I've started my own label now. What's your label? Ruby Yacht. How, what's up with that? It's great. How do you spell that? R-U-B-Y space Y-A-C-H-T. Ruby oh, Ruby Yacht. Yacht. Okay. Yep. Ruby okay. Yacht. Two words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's great. We got we got the uh, the young distro through Alpha Pup and all that. And nice. It's been going great, man. Yeah. That's good. I can't. I mean, so you put yeah. out the Scallops Hotel thing? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it worked beautifully. And now we're going to do uh, this Milo record in September. Good. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the release of Toothpaste Suburb. How did it feel when it came out? That was like your big it amalgamation felt, of all the work that right. you've been putting in. It felt like I just made a record that was too dense, too obtuse. 
when you put it out, how did you feel? Like, did it feel anticlimactic? Did you feel excited? Were you were you hopeful? Were you let down? Like, how did you feel? I mean, the letdowns began kind of a little bit before it came out. So I started to get a taste of that. Yeah, of being like, whoa, this is not going to go as we planned. Why? What happened? Um, You know, just stuff like when two weeks before the record comes out and, and nobody knows where, like, your CDs are. Right. <laughs> you know, again, yeah. classic rap problems, but... You're just kind of like, oh, so this isn't going to be in stores. Oh, this isn't going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, well, that's uh, – I, 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 I want to say, like, when we talked, I kind of went like, yo, you got to, like, tone right. down your expectations of, like, right. the re- the reality is nothing gets in stores anymore. Yeah. Nothing gets in stores. Yeah. Like, you can have as many fucking CDs sitting in your garage as you want, but mm-hmm. getting them into a Best Buy is a whole nother – a whole different it's a game. whole different game and a whole nother like realm of the Illuminati. Like it's like fucking it's hard to get your stuff into stores. Right. You know what I mean? Even to mom and pop shops, like selling it or like like trying to sell it to mom and pop shops, like talking on the phone, like you're gonna spend your whole fucking day cold calling shops. I will now. They, yeah, well, there you go. I, I do that now. I, I feel like that. me personally with the physical stuff, uh-huh. I, I think that it's smooth enough to just have it in your fucking apartment and ship it to people when they want it and it i is do a, that you know i mean, mean we we hand make the tapes yeah and all exactly that stuff. exactly it does well yeah yeah so you find out that the cds aren't there and, and that's like the first little letdown yes that's and, the first letdown and what did you how who'd you and, get on I mean, with what did you, you know, do what did you do i'm i'm not i'm not a businessman dog i'm just a, a rapper same a clumsy one not I've tried to force myself it. to become a businessman because over time you realize that you have to be both. And see, people know me too, so they know like we ain't a businessman, and I feel like that's even why this is still going on. It's just like at the end of the day, I'm the guy who will walk away, mm. you know, then blow it up. Wow, you're so big and strong. You should flex on somebody. <laughs> I don't want to. I I admire everyone in this debacle. That's the thing. Yeah. I look up to them and yeah, I love them. So yeah. there's no point in that. Well, so what else happens with the release? Okay, so then you know, you start you start uh, no music videos, no money for that. No uh no physicals on time. And were these all things that were promised? Of course. Right. Um, you know, there's not not uh there was pretty good press. For, I, I think you guys got a lot of press. Yeah. I I would say the one thing like did the record come out in 13 or 14? 14. 14 the, the 14 you guys, press cycle was big because right. all of you put out records. Yeah, and like, and mine was like the last of the four. Yeah, but it was, and it was always the story of like, oh, these four kindred spirits right. of music, you know, and like, right. you know, oh, Mike put out this great record, and Reagan put out his best record of the year, and then he or of of, uh, of mm-hmm. his career, and here's, and now it's Milo's turn, you know, right? And James put out a record in fourteen too, and James did. I put out a record in fourteen as well. What up? I made a lot of money. Yeah, you did. Oh yeah, you you did. We did good. That's what's up. But it's because we did it ourselves. That's the way you get a lot when of money. You do, when you do it by yourself, you get a lot of money. I'm saying when it's 85 cents on the dollar, yeah. you st- it starts adding up. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like It was it was fully 85 cents on the dollar. Yeah. We, there was only one hand in our pocket, and that was iTunes. And right. That's it. And, that's cool. You know? That's cool. And we're still making good money off of it. I mean, I live off my road. That sounded very, that's, yeah, exactly. That, that sounded mad douchey of me. No, but, it doesn't. Yeah. It sounds good, actually, because I think something that people need to stop doing is I hate all that weak pandering from like every musician I meet is like, ah, yeah, I'm struggling to get by. Even ones who aren't, it's like yeah. they just say it. It's like right. part of the script. Well, the thing is, is that I, I've been doing what we do mm-hmm. for 15 years or for, you know, 12, 15 years basically. And this is the first time that we made money off That's anything. What's up. And, and it's because I went, you know what? I always get fucked over. Mm-hmm. 
if anybody fucks me Not over, today. it's going to be me. That's it. Wow. I want to know that I made my own mistakes. Yeah. And, and that was such a fucking moment of clarity when, when it started rolling in and I went, Oh, we've just been doing it wrong the whole wow. time. You know what Dude, I mean? That's so cool. Because here's the thing is that the last time you and I met, like I said, mm-hmm. and we've had, we haven't had a lot of, I haven't seen you that much right. in between, you know yeah. what I mean? So, th- so whenever it was two years ago or whatever, like I- I've only seen you maybe four or five times since. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were so f- bright eyed and fresh faced and, and excited about this. Like, what do I seem now? Signing you, like the sign, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like getting signed seems right. like a big deal, and I was like, man, getting signed is never as big of a deal as you think, unless you're getting like a huge advance beforehand. For me, and- it wasn't so much again the mechanism of the business to yeah. getting signed. Yeah. It was that the guys who you know kind of your heroes invented your the shit that yeah. I like, right? liked me that's all right you know that was what was so fly to me yeah but yeah i feel you in terms of the business side my getting signed yeah i was never like oh show yeah yeah exactly yeah. um because i well but i remember like in fucking 2006 for me i was mm-hmm. like wait oh what did you say you're my you're my friend and you have uh, you have your own record label like <laughs> and you want to so you're gonna put it I, I have a logo that i can put on the back of my cd that's so awesome and then i was wow. like wait why am i paying for these cds by myself and why am i paying for this and that and, and i was like right. oh oh a label is just something stupid that doesn't really exist most of the time especially now yeah especially anybody can now. say they have a label when it's like the label is really just you know the the website that people are buying the thing from right totally the band camp page or the the band camp or page. you know whatever yeah so i think uh, what the whole summary of that last segment was that mm-hmm. i think the press cycle went great thank you you guys had a lot i was like wow james and mike yeah. and rory and reagan are really getting theirs this year like it's good <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought everything was going smooth. So then what is the next letdown for you? I mean, the next letdown for me is just, right, so there's problems. Yeah. And then the next letdown is watching those problems instead of, like, man, we should work to fix these things together. It became a lot of just stress, man, and compounded stress, and stuff gets carried away, and, and, and you know, people start yelling, and months and months go past and it's hard to remember exact sums of money or whatever right and then you know you're just looking at a really messy situation that doesn't have any kind of clear answer or even you know necessarily a a bad guy right yeah the one thing that i thought was shocking about the release what up was what up papa the fantano review i mean he wow i want to i want to say this about that yeah I think that he did not want to understand the record. Okay. Let's talk about it. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, like, uh, full transparency, I have a huge, I've always had a huge hate-hate relationship with Damn. record reviewers. Okay. With record reviewers. Uh, not not to say, dude, I think Fantano's great at his job, and I trust his opinion on very many things, but I know, I, trust me, I yeah. know what it feels like to get a bad review. And mm-hmm. sometimes I just want to like get on a pedestal and go, hey, you didn't fucking understand what I was trying to do. Right. And this is what you got wrong. And you didn't even type this lyric right that you said you didn't like. And right. so that's why you didn't like it. And like da 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 da. Well, I mean, Arthur Danto talks about, he's like a famous New York Times art critic. He right. talks about negative criticism is only ever cruel, especially right. from like a revered critic. Right. Yeah. It's so subjective. Right. It yeah. is very subjective. And I mean, when you're on a platform like that, I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, well, the, the review that, the review yeah. made itself beside the point, I guess I would say. Uh, from the first moment, he didn't know, like, the first song had a cover of We Will Not Tolerate. And I think he said something like, these, re- these lyrics seem very reactionary. 
uh, to, to Ferguson, they're not uh, that good or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, this song is the song I'm covering is like 25 years old, right? And so once you know, just those kind of category mistakes are made, and you're kind of like you reviewed this with a misunderstanding, right? Of what it is, I don't yeah. know. It's cool though. I've never heard that thing, uh, the quote that you just said, but yeah, mm-hmm. negative reviews always just seem like why even review it? Exactly, like, just leave it alone then. Because at best, you're just going to embarrass this person, right? Right. <laughs> at best, you're well, just going to embarrass. This person. And the thing is, is that you caught a lot of buzz initially yeah. with his help. Yeah, and that was weird too, is because then I mean you know how the internet is. Yeah. People who knew that then immediately are like, "Oh, they hate each other." Y'all now. got beef, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we don't have beef or anything. It was just like, man, I sent you the record a long time ago. I thought you would listen closer. You didn't. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Right. Yeah. He didn't review mine, and I sent it to him. <laughs> I, ha- I had him. On he didn't the sh- review Scallop. I had him on the show, hoping, uh, hoping like, oh hey, now that I know you. Uh, well, you'll, maybe you'll review my record. So I sent him the, the last record. Right. As I'm seeing you guys get press, yeah. I went, man, this is fucking bullshit. Like, how come nobody gives me any press? Yeah. I do the same fucking thing these guys I do. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? I was I like, this is some bullshit. But I have to remind myself when I'm having those thoughts to go, no, be happy for the homies. Right. Yeah, be happy yeah, yeah, for the yeah. homies. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you thinking this <laughs> way? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't think that way. You, what you have is good. Mm-hmm. It's just different. That's what I have to think, you know? Right. But I also, uh, for some reason, uh, people think that I am some source of, uh, of uh, advice sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I get messages from people asking me for advice or like friends will I mean, your music, me. man. Yeah. People think that right. I'm far more wise than I actually am. So I get asked for advice a lot. And a lot of the advice that I end up giving is just like, yo, do you hear when I'm talking to you and giving you or like talking about ideas? Maybe you're always like, not you, the, right. hypo- the hypothetical you. They they're the always dative. Yeah, they're always going like, well, yeah, but mm-hmm. well, I can't because, and I'm like, as soon as you're brainstorming with somebody, and you go, well, but that won't work because of it. It's like you're you're already killing the idea and being right. negative, and you have to just fuck. And it's as cliche as it is, you got to lead with yes. You know what? I I made a record with my best friend Alex mm-hmm. as Redwall. Yeah, and that was really where it started to hit me. Mm-hmm. I'd never made beats with anyone else before, and kind of what you're talking about. A lot of stuff I would bring an idea up and just force a habit that kind of self-effacing thing. Oh, that that sucks. Yeah, and you realize like, yeah, this is just derailing the creative process. Right, this bizarre habit I've acquired. I should lose it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and so you're working on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Does it feel better when you feel yourself being positive? It feels way better. I mean, not so much that I'm being positive, but like. I just think in our in 2015, it it is expected of you to kind of tell me that you're like awkward, that you're kind of ambivalent about how your talents are or whatever. I just feel like everyone kind of comes with that now, mm-hmm. and I I don't like it. Well, it's like a, there's also a sense of forced humility. I think mm-hmm. like like everyone has to pretend that they're humble or something. Okay, but, yeah, but. Keep it a fucking hundred. If you were really that humble, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be making art and showing right. it to people. Everybody talks about like, oh man, he makes such real art, <laughs> and it's like so selfless, and it's like, motherfucker, if it was selfless, you'd be doing it by right. himself and never showing anyone at a because market. that's that's the only yeah exactly no not even at a farmer's market he would just like you know any artist that talks mm-hmm. about like oh I just do it for the love. If you were doing it strictly for the love, no one would know that you made you it. You know what's interesting? No one would know you made it. Um, you know Zero? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's like that. He inspires me so much. He is like that when guy. When I talked to him, he was like, I got 13 hours 
of unreleased music. Yeah, he's, that he doesn't show anymore. He's like, I just like knowing I have it. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk to him, you can really get that sense yeah. of that sense of him is that wow. like he just truly loves to he make just it. Loves to make. But we're fucking rappers. We're egotistical as shit and we feel like we have something to say. Even if yeah. you're even the most humble rapper, he's on a track telling you how fucking humble he is. You know what right. I mean? Like, come on. I'm a big one for that. Yeah. Are yeah. you? Yeah. You do that? I used to. What? But you know, Talk about how I'm the humblest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's uh, the the irony is thick. Right. Yeah. So Toothpaste comes out, and how how long does the press cycle go on? Like, did you you baby it? Like, were you excited about it? I don't baby anything. Yeah. I I don't think I do. So it's just on to the next. On to the next, always. Yeah. Um, With that one, I toured for a couple months with uh, Bus Driver. How was it? I mean, it was weird because, again, the label didn't make any physicals. So I'm on tour for this record with oh, so you never no got the physicals. physicals, no nothing. Yeah, and you didn't have, like, money to press them yourself. And, dude, like, the label had sold 250 pre-orders, never sent them out. So kids are coming to the shows, and, and I'm literally paying kids out of my pocket because they're like, you know, $50 is a lot of money to give a guy and, and wait the- three months and never get anything. And you're like, What was uh, in the pre-order? Dude, it was so fly. It was, like, some custom mittens, a scarf, this pin— the CD or the cassette poster, it was dope. Yeah, that's rough. So you're paying people back. I'm paying them back, and I still am paying them back. Oh, I mean that's yeah. So the, so physicals never came. Yeah, I don't know what what happened with that. Oh man, was there? I mean, to be, eventually they came. Did like, you press vinyl? Oh well, that was the thing. My boy Chesky at Fake Forward did me the wonderful favor of handling vinyl through his connect so yeah vinyl was made but it was nice. through a totally different channel and that's right. why it succeeded that's why it happened right yeah so how long after a toothpaste suburb comes out is it that you leave los angeles um well what record came out on the nine i moved on the one so i guess a month three months oh, four three. months oh okay yeah september i moved in january yeah what was it like leading up to the move like could you feel yourself starting to despise los angeles or just thought like oh i don't fit here or was I mean, it like i'm just running out of money and that's all there is e- yes to all and then what i realized was again you know uh there's like an ancient story about a guy who's leaves his town and walks up to this old guy in front of a different town he's like man i need to move to a new city da, 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 da. what are the people like here and the guy's like, well, what are the people like where you come from? He's like, well, where I come from, everyone's shitty and mean, and, and they steal from each other. And it sucks, and I got to leave. And the guy's like, oh, everybody here is just like that. Keep keep moving. Yeah. And then another guy comes. He's like, can I move to this city? Da, da, da. He's like, well, where are the people like where you come from? I love them. They're so great. Right. And he's like, oh, they move here. They're just like that. Oh. And so it was kind of like that for me with L.A. You that, know? I mean, dude, that also ties into the like exactly. positive versus negative positive thinking. Positive versus negative thinking. Exactly. People I mean, want to be around positive people. This place sucked for me because I made it suck for me. Yeah. And I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's quite a revelation, though. I'm in a comfy place now. I'm yeah. home again, you know, so yeah. I'm able to reflect on this stuff and grow. Right. So where did you move back to? I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Back in with dad? No. Um, I moved into one of my boys had an art studio yeah. in a factory okay. b- where they make yachts, ironically enough. Oh, so that's where Ruby Yacht comes now, from? No, I had the oh. name beforehand, but really? this just kind of fell in my lap. And so I just was sleeping on his futon in a factory for a couple months. How and now it? I got an apartment. How was that? It was great because he, he it's like an artist colony. So I'm like next. There's a lot of those in L.A. too. See, I didn't. No one ever showed me any of them. Yeah. I didn't find them. You know how it is. Yeah, absolutely. You but have yeah, to be here great. for a while before you to, before you start tapping into like the super underground things like that. You well, know? what's tough was like I had the responsibility of my friends 
I'm making money as a rapper, which is good, but not enough to like really support more than myself. Right. None you, of us have family out here, so we just had to move. You back. were kind of the catalyst for everybody moving. Like yeah, you, you I, were the spoon I that started the pot. all these people into it. Right. And, then, and yeah. so when you're the leader and then it's like, oh well he's giving up. Right. Like I guess so did everybody move when you moved? Everybody moved back. Yeah. But um I mean, one of the homies, Brayden, Ned Arbnagram, he, he he moved back to L.A. I, I just saw him. Does he have a face tattoo now? I don't know. I think he has a face tattoo. Wow. I said, damn, Brayden. I said, damn, Brayden. <laughs> Does really he real. have one? I don't know. So wow. Somebody was like, hey, I think he got a heart tattooed on his face. I said, god damn, no shit. Maybe wow. he doesn't. Uh, shout out to Brayden, though. I like Brayden. What he's up, Brayden? He's a good dude. Brayden used to hit me up all the time before yeah. I really even knew who you were going like, hey, I want him to come out and intern. And I was like, dude, you're hungry. That's right. Great. That's great. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, so you're living on a... Uh, I was. You're living in the. You're living there, and then how do you get your own apartment? Do you start making some money in Milwaukee? Oh, yeah. I mean... Did you get a job? No. Oh, yeah. You never had to have a no, job. No, no, no. I bought like a bunch of tape dubs. Oh yeah! I started building racks. I yeah. started dubbing my own tape. Oh, we had a, we had a Twitter argument about tapes. I was gonna right. bring it up. I mean, you could argue with my bank account player. Hey, I'm down. <laughs> I like I said, I'm happy when the homies are getting mm-hmm. money. Period. Right, right. now. I, I was like I, I clowned on tapes uh-huh. and you were like I don't understand what's wrong with tapes. I said I think they're gimmicky. Okay, what's but, the gimmick? So the gimmick is no one has tape players anymore, so it's really hard to listen to them. I object. Okay, how do you find tape players now? In thrift stores? No, everyone I know has tape players. Where do they get them? Um, in our broke-ass hoopties, bro. Oh. College kids have shitty cars, man. Oh, okay. okay. And that's what that's why I made them. See, I'm such a dad. I've, I, I like. I have like I don't. I have my car just has Bluetooth. I'm target audience, man. You feel me? I know what my my folks need. Well, because here's my other thing about tapes, and and please feel free to tweet at us at kind of neat uh, or <laughs> and tag Milo at Milo in the uh, at in, Yo Milo at Yo Milo in these Twitter conversations. But the reason that I think tapes are a bit gimmicky is because like I grew up real really in the tape era right i'm a good fucking 13 years older than you or so yeah. i'm a few like 11 years older than you i'm not trying to age myself too much but <laughs> you know when i was a kid mm-hmm. cds weren't out yet cds came out with a big bang when i was in fourth grade okay so i grew up with tapes and fucking tapes sucked and like they they got shittier sound as the time went on and i guess some people will go oh well that's like just the soul of the tape man yeah. like oh that's <laughs> where the art is and i'm like <laughs> Why? Why can't you just make something that sounds cool every time it sounds the same? Um, I mean, you can on your computer. So, yeah, well, on your computer, I guess. But that, that's the thing is that like when like CDs came out and it was like, oh, yeah, fucking tapes really suck and CDs are so superior. That's how I, that's how I really felt about it. Mm-hmm. So I looked back as like it was a shitty technology then and it's a gimmicky technology now. But now, I mean, CDs are truly devalued cds are like CDs are actually useless. They and are maybe useless. I would interest you to redirect your scorn. Oh, no. Now, I, I understand that CDs are completely, like, useless, and the mm-hmm. only thing they're good for is to sign at shows. Yeah. And, so, and for people that like to have something to hold on to. And, yeah, you're right. Like, vinyl is much more valuable of a, pl- of a, of a tool now than CDs are, mm-hmm. I would say, because even in the car, no one listens to CDs anymore. I, I think tapes aren't gimmicky. I think that tapes are really cool because they cost, what, 80 cents a pop, blank? Sure. I don't know. I just mean... Where do you find them? Everywhere. Deltamedia.com. Okay. Uh, cassette.ca. Okay. Uh, there's a few places. So you order them in bulk? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like a guy like, you know, Safari Al, for example. Yeah. He can order 25 tapes, dub them himself, mm-hmm. paint on them, um, you know, customize the J card, et cetera, sell them for $10 a pop. And you're buying more than just a physical. Let's be real. Any physical right now is sort of beside the point. Mm-hmm. 
So why not do a tape? Right. I guess. Is I, my get point. I get it. I get it. I mean, I I understand the 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 point of like it's a fully customizable thing that you get like they're ordering it and it's got your fingerprints yeah. all over it, right? I, I guess it was just like there was a time. And it's, it, we're a little past that time now where? because there was even a time in the like before the 2010s, like in the MySpace era where people like started selling tapes and it just became the like, if you had a tape, yeah. you were automatically like, oh, look at how cool, cool. and hip my music is because I have a tape. Right. I'm, I'm too cool to put my stuff on CDs. Right. I put it on tapes and that's been going on for like a good decade now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I was like, oh, artists that do that, are the, the tape is their gimmick mm-hmm. because – a lot of the times, people can't even fucking listen to the goddamn tape. I mean, that's real. Yeah. People tell me that all the time. They're like, oh, I bought this. I don't even have a tape player. Right, right. I mean... And you can still listen to it online. Look, man. I'm writing the songs dedicating my life to the craft. Right. If you don't have a player, that's cool with me. I right. appreciate you buying it. Right. So, Kev blessed me with the opportunity to start my own label. Ruby Yacht. Right. Where does that name come distribution. from? Um, have you ever read, it's a book of poetry called the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. Nope. Um, so Rubaiyat is Persian for like a collection of poems. Okay. So Rubaiyat is just Sounds a, similar. Yeah, a play on words. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've just been learning, man. And like getting an LLC yeah. and learning like about taxes. Oh, and, I need to do that. And I'm like so lazy, writing man. contracts for my homies yeah. and shit like that. Just learning. And then really preparing for the rest of the year and the next year to be making and releasing yeah mm-hmm. so have you been making still i've been making a lot so we started a zine yeah. called obruxo what's that come from um it just means the wizard okay in what language italian oh sick yeah I- i'm i'm half italian there you go yeah obruxo yeah swag swag uh and what is the zine about it's a rap zine there's none of them there's no rap zines True. so I wanted to make one. So it's got like eight authors right now. The first issue did. Well, what 32 kind of rap? pages. Hmm? What kind of rap? I mean rap. Like is Young Thug in there? Um, Why not? Well, there's a piece about a hip-hop and character assassination okay. as it relates to Michael Brown and Ferguson mm. by a rapper named Crash Prez from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, who just graduated for journalism. Mm. So there's some interesting pieces like that in there. I don't know if Young Thug makes an, an appearance. That yeah, is future. We're smoking there? penises. Is future in there? I'm not future hive. Man, I, you're the second person in a row that's not future hive. I love him. I love future. I just. It's not that I'm. I should say I just don't bump it. Yeah, yeah. I'm still bumping. What are the you same bumping? Stuff. Well, okay, in rap or just period. Just in general. I'm listening to Leon Thomas so much. Who's that? Leon Thomas is like a jazz yodeler. Wow. <laughs> that's not, that literally sounds like a genre I would make up. It's Pe- so good. Pe- people go, oh, what uh, what kind of music do you make? <laughs> They're like, I go, oh, I'm a musician. People go, oh, what kind of, what, what do you, what do you play? They go, what do you play? I go, ah, oh, I don't, I don't play. They're like, what do you do? I say, well, it's avant garde <laughs> polka, and they're like, right. what? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an avant-garde polka player. Some jazz yodel. Uh, yeah, so jazz yodel. That sounds like such a made-up genre. Well, have you heard of Pharaoh Sanders? No. Okay, so spiritual jazz, uh-huh. and then kind of an offshoot became like yodeling. You know, when you, the Holy Ghost gets you, you just start, you know, all that kind of stuff, and they just go ham. With you it. ever listen to old Jimmy Rogers? You know Jimmy Rogers? I don't know Jimmy Rogers. Miss the Mississippi, and you. He's a he's the like the OG fucking a yodeling. Oh, okay, that's okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Him. Yeah, Jimmy Rogers tight. Leon Thomas is like. Again, he's got a lot of soul with it. Yeah. And his songs are like, they have a song called The Creator Has a Master Plan. Uh-huh. And it's like, 
The Creator has a master plan. Peace and happiness for every man. Yeah. And then, but, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and you're just oh like, my oh god. my god, you're just feeling it. I don't, I, I'm I not a it. fan of videotaped <laughs> podcasts, but that is like the one moment that I wish we had a video camera in here because you're dancing. You, you were like hulaing at first. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the yodel came in and right. you, you really caught the Holy Ghost. I love that stuff. I listen to it a lot. Um, I yeah. listen to, so Leon Thomas, Pharaoh Sanders, Sun Ra, and I mean, the usual suspects. Yeah. Uh, Open Mike Eagle. Yeah. Serengeti. Uh-huh. You hear that new song you put on SoundCloud? No. Dust. Do you, you ever heard Dust? No. I, I'll, go, I'll go home and look at it. Do you at. like our motel? Baby, this is for us. Let uh, me lick your perfume. I, I, I'm a huge Getty fan. I think he makes some of the uh, most beautifully mundane rap songs. Oh, like definitely. when I say beautifully mundane, I mean he can talk about the mundane and make it beautiful. Like, oh, we used to lay in ble- bed and pluck each other's chest hairs and shit like that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, damn, that is like so trill. Get I, a I, puppy. Name him Benjamin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude. Like, oh, we, <laughs> yes. we, we built a beautiful deck. I'm like, whoa. No, I, I I love Getty. And we, that song. We text and we're always trying to we're always trying to link up, and it's always like clashing schedules. Right. when he's here. It sucks. Getty's fly. I, I kind of want to write a book about him. He is a very interesting. Because he's like a traveler. I've been begging him to have him on this show because I don't really know what I would learn, and I don't know how much of it would be real. Right. True. Uh, because he's so good at making up worlds that I feel like he could lie to me for an hour, and I would believe everything he said. It's interesting, man. Uh, yeah, we, well, because I... Uh, you should let me do a gorilla episode. You go for Cause it. Because one time, he drove me around Chicago once, Yeah, and it was what you're talking about. We're, like, driving down Western, and he's going in and out of, like, the Kenny Dennis voice. Yeah. Just, like, spinning lore. Well, so in, in 11, when I was doing the Knox City shit, I, ha- I had him on, because he had just put out his first record in, Bruh, on... on seen, I, I heard it. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, you knew that. Love. So, wonderful yeah. love yeah yeah oh yeah 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 so I, I i that was my whole thing i was like i want to do like a little portion where i just interview kenny dennis and it was like i died it was so hilarious <laughs> it was so funny yeah man that's funny that you heard that whole podcast i was terrible at it back then but i, I was, disagree I, I was learning i was learning i remember watching that and being like okay so that's oh, what you I watched it live i watched the video oh, yeah. of it and then i listened to the soundcloud post because we we streamed them we used to stream them back then so oh. all, all of that was like the the podcast that you heard was like actually people were tuned in watching that. oh that's sick I Wh- didn't know which that. was a lot of added pressure because you couldn't, right. i couldn't say some dumb shit and then back up yeah mm-hmm. i could because like it's like i couldn't i couldn't make some like cultural faux pas and then be like hey ben uh edit that snatch out snatch that out yeah please. no because it's like people were watching so yeah the donald trumpet yeah st- a stand by the weirdness <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah what's going on with the gop uh, we were, we're bumping that debate on the drive here and it was oh on am radio or something yeah or, oh how was it it was so that's weird. You know what was weird was they you could tell no one has a criteria anymore to reliably gauge a leader. Yeah. And you're listening to this debate and they're like, "Oh yeah, they're fighting." And da 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 or like Jeb Bush looked weak when he let Donald Trump yell at him and you're like, "Well, none of that should matter at all." Right. <laughs> you're like, "What is it's going like, yeah, on?" Yeah, like, "Oh, cool, like you're a yeller, but like what are you going to do about poverty in America or it's what do you, you know?" Horrifying. Yeah. How are you going to end all this fucking police terrorism? I, no, no one talked about that. Oh, of course. The GOP is not going to talk about police violence. I mean, there's a black guy on stage, Ben Carson. I yeah. thought maybe he would have. No. Nope. Nope. I mean, once you're GOP, you're, you're Cylon. What is happening in our country with that stuff? 
It alarms me. It's terrifying. I don't know if it's always been this alarming, though. That's my worry. I feel it's just become more vocally terrifying because now everyone has... This is the first generation that everyone has a camera in their pocket. Well, I feel like people aren't fronting anymore. Like, in terms of the the debate that I heard today, they weren't even pretending to be talking about other stuff or, like, pretending to not be racist. Like, there's a part where Donald Trump was like, this country doesn't have time to be politically correct. And and the the uh, Megan, she asked him like, "Why do you hate women?" Basically, and he was just like, "What kind of question is that?" Of course, I hate women. Da, 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 you know what I mean? Like he the, said that. No, not I, so many words. Not so like, many words. But yeah. his response is so vulgar, yeah. so aggressive, yeah. and did nothing. Like he didn't like you know deny the fact he wasn't like oh i spoke incorrectly nothing. He was like, "Yes, I'm full on crazy. I say these things. I don't like these people," and. And now he he's like the and number he's one. Yeah, well, that's of what that. I mean. Like he's very he's popular, popular because of yeah. that. And it's funny because I always I say this every other fucking episode. Uh, whenever uh, I, I talk about the the social things that are happening right now, as far as like police brutality, as far yeah. as the country being hyper fucking sensitive to racism uh and you know and finally like people of color have are being are are so outspoken on social media and they're having a platform now you know what i mean so we're like shit is not getting tolerated like oh like you know what i mean like you can't say some dumb white people shit and not feel the backlash from it right and the last time that it felt like this was in like 92 before the la riots cracked off right and and you know who was you know who was running for president in 92 during the riots Ross Perot. Okay. And you know what Ross Perot was? A loud, outspoken, independent, quote fingers, right. but actually conservative fucking businessman like Donald Trump. He was a fucking multi-millionaire or billionaire or whatever who just would like speak whatever his crazy mind wanted to speak. And he was very popular because of it at the it time. It grosses me out. And it's like a full-on 30-year cycle or 20-year cycle where that's happening. You know what I mean? Like, Because uh, it seems the, the the climate right now is just like it was in 92, I it's feel like. It's bizarre. Yeah. And I mean, the problems that are like facing us right now are kind of huge. Yeah, totally terrifying ones man like climate change i mean stuff beyond like police brutality like the climate change shit is so crazy i I cannot believe (laughs) there are people going like it's not getting warm look at there's snow on that mountain (laughs) it's horrible dude and people go oh the uh, ted cruz the science doesn't back it up the science isn't there there are out of 10,850 studies on climate change caused by man-made pollution or whatever. Right. There were only three that came out that out of those 10,000 that said, oh, no, I don't think that that's what it right. is. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. cool, if you're going to pick one of those three out of 10,000, then I guess you're, I guess science is backing you, but come on. It's crazy. It's and crazy, then, like, I, on, the, on the debate, a big thing was, like, building this wall. Around Mexico. But it's, it's so like, stupid. It's like, we have the internet. You can't make a physical boundary now. What is this, West Germany all of a sudden? Exactly. It's like, dude, we, we're we one people now. That's the craziest <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, the, crazy, the craziest shit, like, the GOP, you know, outright worships fucking Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's their... That's their, that's uh, their dude. Yeah, their philosophical leader. Oh, Reaganism. The Reagan did this. Trickle, trickle down economics. Reagan's most famous quote, tear down this wall. Mr. Gorbachev. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. They want to build one. And now they want to build one around Mexico. A big one. How fucking crazy is this, man? It was wild. Yeah. It makes me sad. I have no idea what this interview is about, but I I'm like sorry. this conversation. I like, no, I like We're it. We're going all over. I like to, I like this shit. Me too. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> so what are you still reading a lot of philosophy that's what you were doing last time too you were still in uh, school uh, i read a lot um i don't know if i'm reading as much philosophy anymore i just i've been reading a lot of heidegger i guess mm-hmm. uh, for philosophy stuff um this book called what is called thinking mm-hmm. where he talks about poetry being a bridge to true thought mm-hmm. that interested me a lot um right now i've been reading thinking grow rich Mm. Uh, but there's one by a guy named Dennis Kimbrough specifically for black people called Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. Mm. It's interesting. It's like the first self-help book I've ever read. I went through a, I went through a self-help book. Yeah, you're like, you just read it and you're like, I am powerful. Yeah. I am good. Actually, you know who, I think, hmm. I'm pretty sure who gave me uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What is that? Oh, you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Is that the new Migos album? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> what is that? Young Rich and Poor Dad. Um Rich Dad Poor Dad is like a well, first let me tell you who gave it to me. It was James, I think. Oh, okay. I think James gave me that book. I think. That's cool. Uh Rich Dad Poor Dad basically talks about like your upbringing and how uh if you grow up in a wealthy family, you grow up learning how to make money right. work for you. And if you grow up in a working class or lower lower income family, then you learn go to school, get a job, work for the man. Right. And when, if you grow up wealthy with a rich dad, they go, Oh, go to school and then make yourself a business and make the money work for you and hire people. And Mm -hmm. you be the boss, you know what I mean? And it's like really like a socioeconomic, like uh, difference. And so anyway, that's, it's another self-help book that maybe you'd want to read. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But it's it's definitely, it's one of the most popular self-help books. I got the in between rich dad, hustler, dad, poor dad. Yeah. Having a hustler dad's probably fucking pretty tight because you're just learning. Yeah, well, and you're uh, you hustle now, right? Hustling them types, hustling them. You feel me? Them types, <laughs> them, ty- them types, <laughs> bruh. Hustling them types, them types. Uh, Got the internet sh- going nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> cross similar to an ant because I'm low to the <laughs> earth. What's life like in Milwaukee now? What's the day to day? Um, it's you have your own apartment. Yeah, so it's interesting, man. Like. I feel like I've taken the last two years since I've dropped out of school to learn how an artist would live their life, you know, in terms of a day-to-day schedule and making it a job for yourself. Yeah, you know, like making um, inspiration something that's under your control mm-hmm. and you're not under his control. Um, having having deadlines to do musical things. Now that I'm making beats, especially like beat deadlines. So I guess I'm just working on music. A lot. Are, your, are your beats forgive me for like no i don't I, I don't listen to that many of the homies music too no, much. no i'm not offended okay but are your beats mainly sample based um or do you use a lot of like your own midi sense i got stuff? many styles okay kind of depends are beats easier to finish than raps um no 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 they're harder is it because they never feel finished i like making beats because i know i'm not as good at it as i am so at you're rapping. getting to relearn I love that. Yeah. 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 I like I like learning new things too. I've been playing the bass. Nice. Mm-hmm. How's that going? It's going great. You ever see the old uh South Park episode where they're like, nah man, you can play bass, you're black. <laughs> and he's like he's like, Fuck you, that's racist. Then he picks up the bass and can play and he's like, God damn it. I mean that's kinda what yeah. Yeah. You're just feeling it. Yeah, you just go out. for it. I love it, dude. Really? I yes. I wanna, I wanna You got pedals making, and shit? Yes, I do, of course. Nice. Um but for the most part, I'm just using the 404, 555 to make beats. Yeah. And then what, plug it into the Pro Tools? No, I use a machine and then a PreSonus Studio One. Okay. Swag. Swag, swag. And so what's the... 
since releasing your big, you know, studio release, your big album or your big label album, like uh, what has changed in your music making process now? Like, what do you what are you going to change the next time around other than putting it out on? Well, Ruby Yacht? like the next Milo record, I recorded it in a professional studio. I recorded with Kenny yeah. and then I recorded some here. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for the next Milo thing, none of it went through my computer. Yeah. Oh, really? That's the major it's, it's change. It's all analog? Or, or um, you just mean it went through other computers other than your own? Yeah, it went through, like, professional sound boards. It started on them and went through them. Right. Um, so your voice is going to sound extra sexy on this. It thing. does. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. like, the first thing my dad said. Yeah. Yeah. He said, son, your voice is extra sexy. He was like, bruh, <laughs> sounds like it's for the radio. That's not, that's not, yeah, that's funny. That's what my dad said. That's really funny. That was tight. That's tight. Mm-hmm. My dad would be like, I don't understand. I hate this music. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Dang. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah. And so you're not having to mix or master anything. Like, you're a little more... Right. You're just involved in the creative. You don't have to do the technical stuff. Yeah. And does that feel like relief? I love it. Because nice. now I'm increasing the output. Right. You know, because it's a team. That's right. what you learn is you, you need to assemble your team. Right. And then, you know, it's an assembly. Yeah. When I first met you, mm-hmm. you were admittedly new to the game. Like, you had only been rapping, like, I think two years, something like that. Two, yes. Two, three years, right? Uh, yeah. And so that was two and a half years ago, two years ago. And so in those two years, have you felt your style changing? Definitely. How so? I mean, I tour so much, man. Yeah. And that's really why it changes. Right. Because I probably do, I don't know, somewhere between 150, 200 shows a year. Really? Yeah. And... I'm I'm just finding new styles a lot of the times, and I mean I'm spitting the same old songs, but I start doing them in new ways, and yeah, it kind of like you get to workshop style. them. That's Man, what's going on. Sometimes when when you perform a song in a new way, don't you go, God damn it, I should have yeah. recorded it. This You're way. like, but if this was the way y'all first heard it, yeah, it would have been on right, mm-hmm. exactly. Are you ashamed of any of your old records? And I ask that no, as a loaded question. A question. It's, it's a projection of my own shit because I'm like, I hate my first record. That's a fantastic question. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Buck65 about this. Yeah. I went to him for advice because I hated a toothpaste suburb after I put it out. Really? Yeah. But do you think it was more of just like the right. people made me turn on it. for it? No, certain, no, no. Oh. Not even that, but just really the music. Listening to my own voice on it. I was like, this is not my good stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. I definitely feel that way about everything I've made. I don't like any of my old stuff. I that's great. I'm the kind of dude who's like, but bruh, the next one, just, yeah, you know. Well, that's my main problem. I don't hate my last record yet. I, I can never uh, start making shit again until I hate my last record. I start hating them before they're even out, right? And um, and it's because I listen to them a lot. I listen to my own music a lot, yeah, because I'm trying to find the stuff, you right? Know? Totally. Trying to develop it. Totally. Oh, I get, I get that. Like people get in the car and they go, "Oh, you're listening to your own music," and I say, "Hey, man." <laughs> Let me let me grow right. to hate this. All right? Let me do my thing. Yeah, I, I'm trying to see what I can Mike do. Mike showed me that. He was the first dude I I knew who I admired. Who was like, yeah, I listen to only me. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I was like, whoa. That's the other thing is like I'm in a full on like I'm listening to a lot of new music. I'm listening. To, I'm like staying very involved mm. in like what's happening in rap, and I'm listening okay. to a lot of shit. And so, but yeah, when I'm in like full on album creative mode, yeah. there will be a two or three year period where I don't hear anything other than beats or demos of mine right like that's all i roll around listening to is like beats so i can sit there and rap to them in the car or fucking demos to see like what do i need to change wow or what needs to be added to this you know what i mean yeah and uh i, I listen know. a lot of like 
I don't know. Uh, there's a a weird old hip hop blog spot that I follow. What is it? I listen to whatever is it, they is post. It a, is it a very secretive? No, it's called uh, Beatback. B e e t b a k. What do they post? Like you know the nonce. Oh, stuff. Like oh, you that. mean music? I used to tell you to listen to. Uh, <laughs> when I first met you, you're like, oh, I only listen to my homies. I said, hey man, that's cool. But you need to be a student of the game. And you need to learn. <laughs> you need to be a student. I am now. That's what I told I've you. Grown I, into I said, one. hey, you need to fucking listen to the classics. Thank you. Because you didn't grow up listening to I, them. Because you told me you didn't it. grow up listening. I didn't. Yeah. The nonsense is fucking great. Yo, I've been listening to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah. A little, some old Boots Riley, maybe. Dude, I've been listening to uh, what, Zagu Brown. Zaggy Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been. Boots Riley, the coop. Yeah, the coop. I already knew them. Okay. Fat Cat's a bigger fish. Okay. Um,. What else have I been listening to? Anna Pop Consortium all the time. There was a few Anti Pop Consortium songs that I was into. I never got. I lit up a pad indivisible by the sum of three. Yeah, uh, they had one with Feral Monch that I really. Oh whoa! Liked. They have a song with Feral Monch that's like amazing. Speaking of which, oh, oh dude, if you perked up when I said Feral Monch. Have, oh, you, have you ever gone back and listened to uh, what was his old group? Uh, have you ever listened to Organized Confusion? No. Oh, bruh. bruh. Talk about early styling. Like really? they were straight styling. What, what's the name of the record? Uh, oh, you got to get uh, stress the extinction extinction agenda. Oh, stress, I, I like that title a lot. Stress the uh, colon the extinction agenda. You know what I liked about Organized rap Confusion from yeah. yesteryear. Yeah. Is there was way more talking about that kind of stuff, like recognize thresholds and negative stress, just being like war, the life. They literally have a song called "Crush, Kill, right. Destroy, Stress." Wow. Crush, Kill, Destroy, Stress. Organized Confusion is amazing, and, and that record came out in '94. They had, they put out a record in '91, then they had a record in '94. But that record in '94, you hear that one, and contextually, mm-hmm. it's the same time that Biggie was dropping. It's the same time that. Raekwon was dropping. It's the same, you know, oh, like Tupac was dropping, yes. right? But this was the indie alternative, kind or the the, the underground right. alternative. And it, but it sounds like shit that would have been. This sounds like, in hindsight, this doesn't sound like a big jump, but this sounds like something that would have been put out in ninety eight or ninety nine, okay, not ninety four, right? And but you have to remember is that at that time rap was advancing so fucking fast because it was so young that like the difference between ninety four and ninety eight was like leaps and bounds, yeah, stylistically and just like what was popular. So this sounds more like something that would have come out much later. It was very ahead of its time, wow. and and there's a verse on there that is like maybe the most styly fucking pharaoh monster song that you ever heard I need to get it yeah you should it's great i'll bump it tonight it's great it's great oh reagan's text read it again oh okay uh i mean reagan texts are great because they're reagan's all, tweets are also great they're literary reagan is bus driver for those of you who are not informed tomorrow i will summon you at the crack of dawn to perform your spells in my childhood stomping grounds <laughs> <laughs> Everything he says is so poetic. Uh, Reagan is like scarily genius to he's me. He's a lovely man. He's so intimidating to be around. I feel I like love because him. I feel like he's so much smarter than everyone. I feel that way too. That's why I like being around him. Yeah, because at least it's like, yeah, you know, you're like, wow. see, my my ego just makes me scared. Of oh, like coming like coming off like an idiot. I'm just like, man. I hope I can soak something up. Right, right. Put that's, me on the game. See, that's positive. That's positive thinking, right? There. I mean, Reagan is like the archetype. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For a guy like me, I mean. Right. 
with how he flips and styles so much, mm-hmm. are you you're, you're pretty you're an even keel pace on the track, right? I've I've been known to be. So what? Like, do you think that you'll branch off and do more st- like crazy styles Yo, and scatting and yada yada? This Kenny Siegel record it has a lot of that. It's called "So the Flies Don't Come." Right. It still got a lot of that. Okay. I would say it's like definitely me leaving my my like kind of style behind. Yeah. Yeah. So this you flipped it. I flipped it. Sick man. It might be. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> I think we accomplished what we set out to do. Thank you. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, this is great. I like when I get frightened when I'm having a second time guest on because I feel like I cover so much in the first mm-hmm. episode. And I'm like, oh no, I don't. I don't have my. I can't ask him about his childhood because I've already <laughs> done that. What do I talk about now? Um, I thought it went great. This went so. This was very fun, man. And this just felt like a conversation between friends, and I like because it, it is. Yeah, and that's appreciative, or I'm appreciative of that. Uh, so remind everyone where they can find you online. You can find me online at MiloRaps.com. MiloRaps at Yo Milo on Twitter. Y O M I L O. Yes, or at Scallops Hotel. At Scallops Hotel. If you want my shadow man. What is? Yeah, uh, that's your that's your beat alias. That's my shadow man. Yeah. It's not just the beat alias. Did you rap on it too? I rap on it too. Okay. I talk shit on it as scallops. It's the shadow man. It's yeah. really just like That's your internet troll rap guy. Not no. even. That's like really more me. Okay. I would say Milo is more an internet construct. Scallops Hotel is more I'm prone to talking. You get to shit. tap into your id? Kind of. This is a little philosophy for you. No, that's I mean, psychology. psychology. Whatever. Well, Freudian. Thing. They both they are both a G's. Right. OG wise. Uh, where else? Um, iTunes. iTunes. Search for Milo. Milo Scalps Hotel. Where are they going to be putting money in your pocket? Milo Raps? Milo Raps.com. I mean, really, any of my music now is putting money in my pocket. Fantastic. So thank you. Well, shit, man. Good luck on Saturday. Thank I'm gonna, you, sir. I'm going to be there. You will be. Uh, yeah, I'm going to come through and like take. I think I'm going to like get. I'm incredibly I'm, nervous. I'm going to get old school and like take some photos. I haven't. Are done you a, for real? I haven't, I haven't done like a photo blog. Can you get in a, a long good one time. of me? Yeah, I'm going to get a bunch. Thank you. Well, maybe we'll take a selfie for Instagram. I would love to. My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the what shit up, sound ben? buttery at Thank I you, Am Database. He's very excited to mix a new song for you because we were just young bucks in 2013 mixing that song, and he he thinks he's gonna really like fucking bang this one and knock Dang. it out of the park. And I have a, I have a new camera too because I hate the video of yours, even though it's so popular. I hate the the actual video quality because hey, we fucked. We made your skin such a crazy color. Like the color on that one is so crazy. I like it. So I'm excited for this one to be oh a little more God. neutral and show the real. Milo, uh, this is going to be great. Follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat. That's changed since the last time we saw you because it used to be that's kind of neat. That's kind of neat. We're super official now. We're that's at Kinda Neat. <laughs> uh, YouTube.com/slash/KindaNeat, where you are going to see Milo perform Buku Breadco. Buku Breadco. Yeah. You and your titles. Uh, I looked at your video the other day, and somebody was mad that I capitalized your title. Uh, because all, really? your t- all your titles are lowercase. They are. Yeah. So I'll do it lowercase this time. Dang. Okay. Thank Even you. Even though that's against our. Mo, but I will do it. Wow. for you. Thank I'm you. I'm going to capitalize your name, though. At least, all, oh, Scallops Hotel. Is it going to be Scallops Hotel? It's, it's not a Scallops Hotel. Song. Okay, okay. So we're okay. Perfect. Is that cool? That's fine. That's okay. great. <laughs> uh, what else? Facebook.com/slash/kindaneat and kindaneat.net. Everything is wrapped up in a pretty package. If you are listening to this podcast still, which I have no idea why you'd be listening to me do this, please subscribe to the podcast if you are not already subscribed. Download the podcast app on from the iTunes store, the App Store, whatever the fuck. Search for Kind of Neat. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and a comment telling us who you want to see. 
And that is it. That was Milo. Dope. Thank I you. am Lee, and this was kind of neat. Thank you, guys. Thank you.